Welcome, friends, to the Agora Network Ministries program, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our hosts, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie Gallant, share practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and stigma inside the walls of the church. Through interviews, stories, and Christ-centered devotionals, along with dialogues with leading Christian mental health professionals and network ministries, our hope is that you, the listener, will learn and experience that hope and healing can be found in a holistic approach for body, soul, and spirit. Our prayer is that you become more aware about the importance of your mental health and be willing to make the changes you need to become a healthier you, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Again, welcome to this program. Hello, and welcome. You are listening to Pastor to Pastor, a segment of Hope for the Agora broadcast, a ministry of Agora Network Ministries. If you're joining us for the first time, we speak openly and frankly about the issues surrounding the stigma of mental health in the church. Hi, my name is Alan Kleindieters, and I'm your host for Pastor to Pastor. In Pastor to Pastor, we speak specifically to pastors and leadership about the pressures of the ministry and the effect it has on pastors' mental health and well-being. If you're a pastor or a leader in the church and are struggling, we encourage you to contact us. If you're in crisis, please call your local crisis care hotline and connect with a counselor or therapist. You are not alone. There are people who want to support you. September, as you may know, is Suicide Awareness Month. So we are going to broach the subject today in our conversation specifically about pastors struggling with suicide, suicide ideology, significant depression that can lead to that, and how they can be supported. So our friend Bart Campbell is going to join me today, and I'll introduce Bart in a little bit. First, however, um, I want to open the Word of God to the Psalms. And I want you to listen to these passages and reflect on what they have to say about the mental anguish and wellness of a leader. When I was going through a really difficult season in my life, I memorized Psalm 13, and it spoke volumes to me. And it is filled with anguish, but also hope. Hear these words. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Very much a reference to possible suicide. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. 
a couple verses out of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. And even other Psalm 55, we find words like this. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. You get that picture of so much pain and just so much dis- overwhelming uh, struggle that they just want to escape it all. We've all been there. But these are only a few of the many psalms that cry out for the voice from the voice of a leader. In particular, in these cases, David, King David, a man after God's own heart. We hear words of being overwhelmed and so distraught that he just wants to run away and perhaps even just die. Yeah, my friends, leaders struggle with their mental health too. God knows and he understands that. The good news is he knows our anguish and our pain. He hears our cries for help. Even the psalmists know that as they write because most of the psalms include words of hope and assurance that somehow God is still in control and loves them and cares for the righteous. He is our refuge and our strength. He sends forth his love and his faithfulness. So if you are in leadership and are struggling, please remember the goodness of God. Today's focus is on pastors and suicide, and I have a special guest with me. His name is Bart Campbell. He's part of our Agora team and helps with our leadership. He also leads our suicide prevention and self-esteem workshops. He's been a pastor for 25 years and works with people on the fringe. Uh, 15 years he's been focusing on crisis specific to mental health and addictions. And so I want to welcome you, Bart. I'm really glad you could take the time to spend with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we have uh, a specific focus on pastors and suicide because it is, number one, uh, Suicide Awareness Month. And we've been speaking um, on the Hope for Agora radio show the past three weeks um, about suicide and the church. And today we're focusing specifically on pastors because pastors are human and they struggle with their mental health as well, like anybody else. So uh, maybe you can help me out here. You've got tons of experience. And the question begs to be asked, why would pastors consider suicide well i, I want to reference a question that you asked me earlier first okay i hope you, i hope you don't mind no no problem um you you asked me you know in my work do i do i deal with a lot of pastors and the answer is no uh, very seldom do i ever talk to a pastor who is on the edge of suicide who is <clears throat> struggling with their mental health or in crisis um, and it really is an indication that, you know, there's a segment of the population, this segment of the population really isn't reaching out for help in the, in the regular ways, 
right? So the, you know, we know that there there's issues. We know that the pastors are, I think, 16th on the list of, of professions that are going to kill themselves, right? So, you know, the fact is that the church could, you know, pastors deal with everything everybody else deals with. They're, they deal with their family, they deal with their, their finances, they deal with their relationships, they deal with their health. You know, on top of that, right, they deal with congregants that are dealing with their finances, their health, their relationships, and there's this, this added burden on top of, you know, what we would consider normal things, right? Right. So, you know, you asked me the question, you know, why would people consider, why would pastors consider suicide? Well, the fact of the matter is that they're dealing with the same thing that you and I are dealing right. with. Yeah, and sometimes they're not dealing with it well. Yeah, for sure. I think um, that's going to help us kind of unpack the rest of this conversation. So, you've really helped us to identify probably the base of where we need to go. Uh, and this is not a discussion we're going to be able to totally cover in this one sitting together with a half hour radio program. Um, you were talking about issues that pastors faith, and I think face. And one of the things I believe um, helps us to understand this a little bit more is maybe just briefly talking about pastoral roles. And probably one of the things that is somewhat key here uh, is the fact that there may be unrealistic expectations that are both real and some of them are perceived. And and that is a conversation I had recently begun with Dr. Danja Gibson, who was on last time, uh, that we're going to follow up on down in the future that talks more about where the pastor's at. But if you look at pastor roles pre-80s, say, what was the role of a pastor? They were expected to preach decent sermon. Now, prepping a sermon on its own is... Um, <laughs> A lot of work. I think the average pastor spends 10 to 15 hours a week. And, you know, professional speakers have like three or four, maybe five max uh, speeches that they give over and over and over again, where a pastor has to do this every week. So, but basically pre-80s, it was like preach, teach, lead some committee meetings, lead a ministry or two, or do a Bible study, something like that, and give pastoral care. Today, they're required to preach, teach, be an educator, uh, be an administrator, lead teams, lead staff, lead groups, lead uh, visionary, I be a visionary, an idea generator, an innovator, an evangelist, a fundraiser, capital, blah, 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 spiritual director, local community leader, you know, uh, it just goes on and on this huge list, be able to speak to youth, be culturally aware, be up on the latest trends, be, you know, chief cook and bottle washer, scapegoat for whatever goes wrong, I think. You know, that plays a huge, huge role in all of this. So, And ultimately be responsible for the success of the church. Mm-hmm. Okay? Growth and what have you, but they're also responsible if it fails, whether real or perceived, right? Right. You know, it, it's, you know, they feel that pressure. Right. On themselves, from themselves, and from the elders and the congregants. Yeah, absolutely. That is um, that is one of the things. Like I think of uh, my own personal experience. You've had this too. You know these these emails and people are saying and 
the the pressure is incredible. One of the things that I was reading most recently was, and this came from the Center for Clergy Care, which has a ton of survey material, but it's uh, intimacy was replaced with business practices and efficiency was more prevalent than community. Absolutely. Absolutely. We become business, business managers as opposed to the pastor in shepherding the flock. We're doing things that we shouldn't be doing and, and should never have been doing. But for some reason, somehow, um, we've um, taken on that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And got away from the intimacy. Well, exactly. And I, I think of some of the stats that uh, have come out uh, of, of like the pressure. Over 72% of pastors are working between 55 to 75 hours a week. Um, a lot of most pastors feel they're on call 24 7. It's many of them say that pastoral ministry has neg- negatively affected their families. So it's real. Burnout, compassion fatigue is absolutely real. So let's talk a minute about how stigma plays a role. Can I, can I also add? One other thing to, to the words you, you mentioned, burnout, compassion, fatigue. I, I want you to, I'd like to add vicarious trauma. Yeah. Okay. It's just like we, we take that on, you know, over the course of time, right? So mm-hmm. let's talk about, sorry, the, the stigma. Let's talk about the stigma like you suggest. I mean, in society, if you have issues, there is stigma, if you're not a pastor, that you have a mental health issue. You are viewed differently, you know, once that goes goes public and once that, you know, there's things that attach to that. You know, if you phone up a, an agency, if you go to the hospital and you say, I'm feeling suicidal, that becomes part of your medical records, right? Mm-hmm. So right. if an insurance company wants your medical records and they see that at some point in time that you felt like you were going to die by suicide, how does that affect, affect your, your insurance policies? Right. That's why people want to bury it. It's so negative, and people's response to that is so negative. It's incredible. Now, you take a pastor that, again, as we talked about earlier, that who truly believes that through the Holy Spirit, through prayer, through confession, surrendering it to God, there is no problems. There's no issues. And people view the pastor as this person that is more spiritual than they are. They have it all together. They're in tune with God. Right. So for a pastor to come forward and say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with anxiety. You know, I am really, really concerned about not only the congregants, you know, the members of the congregation, but I don't know if this church is going to be a success and what do I need to do to make it successful? And it's anxiety provoking, provoking. It's it will cause depression and often people will self-medicate. Right. That brings us to some of the issues and the statistics we see in pastors regarding addictions, which is significant. Uh, recently, and I sent you, I had sent you some of these um, statistics as well, and that 81% of pastors have been tempted to have inappropriate sexual thoughts or behavior with someone in the church but have resisted. There's that. But then there's uh, how many of them have... A third of pastors wrestle with the temptation of pornography or visit pornography sites on a regular basis, not to mention use of other stimulants, um, alcohol, 
and more, right? Prescription drugs, whatever. So we know it's real. And I guess my concern then is, you know, why are pastors not seeking help with their own mental wellness? You touched on it a little bit. It's the stigma. They they are set up to be perfect. Yeah, they cannot have any faults. They cannot have any problems. That you know, and that that's part of it, right? You you know, even the stats that you 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 brought forward. You know, the number of people that are that are having inappropriate thoughts. They're 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 viewing pornography and everything. These are are people that are are able to say yes. I mean. There's a lot that aren't coming forward and saying, you know what, the fact of the matter is I do, but I'm not willing to confess that I do it. Correct. Right? So and, and they're set up on these pedestals and real or perceived, because I think that pastors are, are their worst, own worst enemies, that they cannot confess and recognize that, that what they're struggling with is real. Mm-hmm. Right? And they're afraid to come forward because people will see them as less than. They're imperfect beings. You know, when we talk about, you know, pastors are great at it, it says, you know, we say, just pray, <laughs> just pray, just surrender to God and everything will be, be okay. I think sometimes we negate the fact that there was a fall 2,000 years ago. I mean, thousands and thousands of years ago in the Garden of Eden, there was a fall and sin came into the world, right? But I think that sometimes we have this perception that we are above any effects that the fall may have may have had on us, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Our bodies and minds are still subject to all of that. Everything that the fall bring the fall brought into the world, we are still subject to it. And you know, if we're not careful and don't get the help that we need, we can end up leaning on other things, other you know, outside forces, stimulants, pornography, and you know, worst case scenario. Is suicide right to deal with our problems? Yeah, right. So I think it's it's our lack of being real with ourselves. Yes, I truly believe prayer, Holy Spirit, surrender. I truly believe that, but I also believe in in counsel. Mm-hmm. Well, I think right. this is something that you know I will be brought up regularly in at least my show, uh, and I think overall in Hope for Agora is that we often in the Christian circle think that faith and mental health are mutually exclusive, but they're not. Absolutely. Right? Because we're human beings, we're fallen, broken human beings. While we may be people of great faith, I experienced this myself going through my own mental health struggles and difficulties, was that I had a strong faith, prayerful life and I was in love with Jesus, but my world fell apart and I went into a clinical depression and there was a time where I was fighting like, what's wrong with me? Um, You know, I have deep faith, but this is still real in my life and I'm having suicidal ideology. And people, that's what people struggle with. And I think pastors are struggling with that very much so. When I talk to pastors and when I've um, sat in sessions with other pastors uh, who have made the move for self-care, they express these things over and over and over again that they feel in some ways trapped because even if they realize their faith is not um, mutually exclusive, you know, with 
with men- their mental health, the majority of the people in their congregations don't see it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's the struggle. Right? They're not able to be real. They're not able to be human. They're not able to be hmm. people. They're not, they're not allowed to be fallible. You know, I, I have a couple of guys that, that I'm accountable to, right? And here's how their conversations go. Okay. How you doing? Fine. Struggling with anything? No. <laughs> and the next question is, did you just lie to me? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, and it really gives people, you know, each other permission to say, you know what? I'm struggling with whatever I'm struggling with, right? I'm struggling with the congregation. I'm struggling with success as a pastor. I'm struggling with my own self-doubt that I've been effective over 20 years or 30 years. Uh, I'm struggling with the fact that I made changes in people's lives. I'm struggling with, you know, the failure of the church. You know, people are walking away from the church, this mass exodus from mainline churches. And, you know, people question their own future. Our, our lives are tied to the church. Our finances are tied to the church. Our finances, I mean, our, our livelihoods are tied to the church. You know, the, so there's all this pressure. And how can I be real? Mm-hmm. Throughout it all? Right. And we only in some ways, saying only as much as our paycheck will allow. Absolutely. <laughs> I right? heard a guy speak once, and he said, you know, he, he, somebody asked him, uh, how's the church going? And he said, better if there was one more funeral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, his point was that there's things that people want to put on him that are not part of his role, mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, he was being open. He was being honest. You know, I appreciated his his comment. I mean, he didn't sincerely mean that, but his point was that I'm I as you mentioned, I'm washing the dishes. Uh, you know, I'm putting out the bulletins. I'm sweeping the floor. I'm doing the expectations from the congregation are to do everything. You know, one of the guys he he mentioned was that uh, after church one day. You know, there was there was weeds growing up in between the patio stones. Mm-hmm. And he came to the pastor and said, look at all those weeds. Look at, look at you know, how this church looks. What are you going to do about it? Hmm. He says, it's not my job. It's not part of, but, you know, these are all kinds of expectations. And those, are, you know, the things I mentioned are just practical things. They're not even spiritual things that we're dealing with. But it's all-encompassing from a pastor perspective, right? It just yeah. puts more and more pressure on, on, on pastors. Right. right. So we know that stigma keeps them from necessarily taking care of their mental health. In fact, basically, on average, only half of pastors diagnosed with depression seek help, Right. And so the others could be spiraling. And I've known pastors who feel, uh, as I was saying to somebody recently, if you've ever watched the TV series uh, back in the day of The Sopranos, you know, um, the head of this mafia group had to sneak behind everybody to go see a psychiatrist because he was struggling, right? It's, It's like the same with many pastors I've talked to that they feel they have to secretly find a way to get the help they need if they actually acknowledge that they need the help and are going to do something about it. If you had a pastor, we have 
you know, pastors listening to this and of other people as well. But now you're addressing a pastor in the room who is struggling. What would you encourage them to do? How would you take that? Maybe I'm putting you on the spot, but how would you take that conversation? How would you move that forward? Well, I would, I would take out the pastor hat for a little bit. If, if I was talking to a pastor, I'd say, okay, set that aside for a second. How are you doing as a person? Let's, let's just address how you're struggling as a person. And really having a honest, truthful, hard conversation and ask how the person is doing. And specific to, are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you having thoughts of suicide? And we were so afraid to ask those questions. We're so afraid to approach a pastor and ask those specific questions. And I would break it down to, to, to our own humanity. How are you doing as a person? <clears throat> because that will affect everything else we do and go from there. It would be an honest conversation. Right? But, you know, going back to David, um, David was real. You know, when he spied Bathsheba, he was about 50 years old. He's going through his own mental health crisis, his own identity. He sees her. He wants a little piece of fluff so he can feel good about himself. But that's the reality of how he felt. And he fell. He sinned. But yet goes back to God. But, you know, and the people around him confronted him and said, look, what are you doing? Right? And they had an honest conversation with him. But, but I think the Bible, and, and we sometimes negate this, this, this part of the, the Word of God, is, you know, God really identifies and speaks to our humanity, how frail we are, right? How at risk we are, right? and our need to live in accordance to what God's Word says. And along with that is seek help. Seek help, right? You know, don't think you have it all together. But we have, we, you know, we, we're reluctant to show weakness. We really are, right? Yeah, that, that plays a huge role. And that's very culturally right. uh, maneuvered that way, right? It's a societal structure that we have that, you know, not just within the church, but outside the church too. We're trying to break past that uh, in big ways. You know, in answer, you know, continue to answer to your question. You know, I... I really having the hard conversations with people, being real with them, and allowing people to be vulnerable, right? You know, you shared earlier your own struggles. Uh, Agora Ministries is based on Alan and Bonnie's struggle, their own humanity, their own, their own issues, and how they were rejected by the church, which really just speaks volumes to exactly what we're talking about. But the fact of the matter is that, that you know, People need help, and they have to be open and vulnerable, and they have to seek that. And they have to give themselves permission for that. They do. Yes, 100%. That is absolutely key. Wow, this has been great, and I appreciate it. So regarding that, tell me um, what you think we need to talk about and address specifically regarding suicide. You're the, you're the guy who deals with this all the time. Recognizing the signs. That's, okay. the, that's the number one thing. You know, the fact of the matter is that, that Jared Wilson, prior to him dying by suicide, did a funeral of a person, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong as far as the story is concerned, that died by suicide. 
I believe that is right. Right. You know, and the fact of the matter is that there was a, probably a lot of people around him that, oh, wow, he's got it all together. He's dealing with his mental health uh, really, really well, but didn't recognize the risk, didn't recognize the pressure, the internal pressure he is putting on himself. Right. And I, you know, the fact of the matter is that we have to have check ins and we have to have check ins with real people. I want to thank you for listening to our program today. I pray that it was helpful and encouraging. Today's conversation with Bart Campbell continued beyond our time here today. So um, you can find the rest of our conversation in part two of Pastor uh, to Pastor and Pastors in Suicide on our podcast. You can find it by going to our website, agoranetworkministries.com and uh, click on podcast for all our episodes. Uh, be sure to follow and get updates so you can listen to your favorite pod on your favorite podcast app. You can also search on your podcast app for Hope for the Agora and you'll find us there. If you are struggling with your mental wellness, please call our local hotline. The crisis hotline in Canada is 1-833-456-4566. In the United States, you can find it 1-800-784-2433. So take the first step toward your mental wellness. I want to thank you for listening. I welcome your questions and suggestions for future shows so you can contact me via our website, agoranetworkministries.com. As we conclude our program, we want to thank you for listening to today's broadcast. For more information about Agora, we invite you to journey through our website, www.agoranetworkministries.com. Also, please subscribe while there. Or email us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. Until next time, may you know and experience the hope and healing that comes from the greatest healer, Jesus Christ. <laughs>